This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Oh God, praise be to you that we have your word before us. Thank you for King David who writes so many psalms, who engages with his heart openly, that we too may learn how to respond to you. So this afternoon we pray, God, as we come to Psalm 103, that you help us, that we may understand your word, that we may engage with your truth, that our hearts and our will may be challenged by the Holy Spirit through your word, that we may grow to praise you like David did. For the glory of Christ. Amen. Now, when was the last time you praised someone important in your life? Whether it's your parent, your spouse, your family member, a dear friend, when was the last time you praised someone important in your life? Or perhaps being praised by someone special to you? You know, my daughter has a way of praising my wife, Linda, that always puts a smile on her face. She has this way of coming ever so often during meal times, and she, Joanna, who is seven years old, she'll look at the food and say, Yummy, this looks so delicious. Mommy, you're the best cook. Last time she said, Mommy, you're the best cooker in the whole wide world. And, and that brings a smile to my wife's face because she is bringing up all that she has benefited from my mom, my wife's cooking, her culinary skills, and for that moment, my wife thing is all worthy, even though she's perspiring and she's like all tired out. Well, but that's quite different sometimes when we are around Joanna or perhaps you are around your family members, because sometimes we might complain or lament about the food that we eat. I don't know if you have this experience or if you're guilty of this, of saying your grace, thanking God for food, and next thing you open your eyes and ah, why are we eating this again? Okay, those who are laughing, I know um, I'm not alone. Whether you're young or old as a Christian, that this does happen. But now turning from the people we love, I want to just ask us to dig just a little bit deeper to ask the question, when was the last time you and I praised God enthusiastically, not as a congregation, but from yourself as you recall things about God or what He has done or who He is and you just leap into praises for God without being asked to stand and sing? When was the last time we praised God for who he is and what he has done. So this afternoon, we are invited by King David to listen in on his praise and thanksgiving to God in Psalms 103. You know, like many of us, King David is well aware of how easy it is for him to fall into the sin of spiritual forgetfulness, to forget to thank God as he wiped his mouth and leave the table. King David is one who is determined not to be praiseless. And so Psalm 103, King David exalts himself to praise Yahweh, to praise the Lord God. He calls his soul, So wake up from any spiritual forgetfulness of what the Lord has done or for who he is. And so David begins Psalm 103 this way. Look at it with me. 
Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not all His benefits. So here King David, he exalts himself um, to first bless and praise the Lord. Three times he calls out to his soul, to his inmost being, his every beats of himself. And he says, praise the Lord, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord. Look for David, to praise the Lord in verse 1, the first line, is synonymous to not forgetting in verse 2, the second part. Look at verse 1 and 2. They, they come as a unit. The remedy, this is the remedy of David, of sluggishness in praising the Lord is to remember what the Lord has done for him. So more than kind of a self-talk, David, you got to praise God, you got to praise God, no, don't feel like it, but I praise God. David is saying, so, remember, wake up, remember what God has done. Because if you do remember, you will leap and praise the Lord. In fact, he says to his soul, he says, soul, listen, for the Lord is the one, look at verse 3 to 5 as I read it for us. The Lord is the one who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things and so that your soul is renewed like the eagles. So David says, Oh soul, God is the one who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who crowns, who satisfies, who renews you. He has never been lacking of giving you a reason to praise Him. So praise Him. You know, it's such a timely reminder for souls of all who have benefited from the goodness of the Lord, lest spiritual forgetfulness comes in and blinds the ben- those who have benefited from the Lord of joy, of thanksgiving, of praise. Now, as you look at 3 to 5, the first benefit David presents to his soul is God's forgiveness, which is the foundation of all the other benefits from the Lord. David is a man whose victories and sins are embedded into the words of history forever. So David, he's the man who is here praising God for having forgiven all his sins. And the second benefit closely linked in to the first, which is that the Lord heals all his diseases. Well, perhaps, perhaps David is talking about the Lord healing his physical illness, although not much of it is in his biographies. But if you notice, if, if David is speaking to his soul that God has healed all his diseases, it may well be that he's speaking about the healing that is so desperately needed for a diseased soul. Bit of a diseased soul. Here the healing and restoration of his soul from condemnation, from desecration caused by sin. Back in David's time, when a person has a physical disease, 
or he's unclean or she's unclean, he or she is separated from God's people or to enter into the holy ground. So diseases and being away from God or God's people are so aligned that a thousand years later in in the time of Jesus, the disciples was looking at a man born blind and he said this. Let me read to you in John 9. The disciples came and asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Is this man or his parents that he's born blind? So closely related is diseases and uncleanness from separation that he would even say this, the disciples. So whether David in Psalm 103 is speaking about physical or spiritual healing, one thing is for sure, diseases brings separation. Uncleanness brings you away from God's people. And David sure knows how his soul can be diseased. Diseased. Now, if this is written, Psalm 03, if it is written after his major fall in 2 Samuel 11, David is well aware of what it means to have a diseased soul. One that's separated from God. After he has slept with another man's wife, killed a man to cover his sins, and along the way killed many other loyal soldiers of him. If this psalm is written after 2 Samuel 11, even if it's not, but if it is, then all the more amazing when David's claim is that God had forgiven all his sins and has killed his diseases and that his relationship with God is good. There are many doctors whom God used to heal physical, even certain emotional diseases. But there's only one spiritual physician or doctor who can heal a soul that is sick spiritually. And that is God himself. We'll come back later to look how this applies to us. But let us follow David as he continues to speak to his soul. Again, David calls upon his inmost being to remember the Lord for redeeming his life from the pit. Some Bible translation would, would put pit to mean destruction. Because it's basically a point where a person, he or she, is in such a situation that he or she is not able to get out of it, to get out, to be saved from um, even crisis or death. But yet David says, you know, God God has rescued or has redeemed me from the pit. Perhaps this motto of physical illnesses from the closeness to death or from the consequences of sin. Because there are so many occasions in David's life where he was in the pits. Just read his biography. You see him in the pits all the time when he was fleeing from Saul in his youth as a blameless young man and him fleeing from his own son Absalom as a sin-drenched old man. All the time, David knew what it meant when God pulled him out from the pit. No wonder... As you look on to 3 and 5 there, David moved to speak of how God crowns him. He didn't say God crowns me with kingship, the physical crowning that the world so admires King David. But he says the Lord's crowning of him was love and compassion. David saw the stark contrast between where he should be 
and where he's being placed at. And he says, And the Lord has crowned me with love, with compassion, with forgiveness of sin, with relationship with him, and to enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. No wonder David cries out to his soul, Soul, praise the Lord. Remember all the benefits. Do not forget it. Now with all of God's benefits, David cannot help but eventually have to turn and start looking at the character of God and the works of God in history where he will draw more and more praises for the Lord. So look with me to verse 6 to 8. Now if you're looking at 6 to 8, this is what David is saying. He now recalls the unchanging historical Lord Jesus, uh, the Lord God who revealed himself through actions and words. Here's the reality. The reality is that evil does exist in our world. There is real oppression for God's people. But David, as he looks back, he sees clearly that the Lord is one who does bring justice. The Lord is the one who does bring rescue. He has brought righteousness and justice by making his ways known to Moses, by rescuing Israel out of its pits. So here is what the Lord said to Moses or revealed to Moses right after he rescued Israel out of Egypt. And he said this, let me read to us this account from Exodus 34, verse 4 to 7. I put it up the screen, but look at it with me. You know, Moses chiseled out two stone tablets, like the first ones, and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning this, to, to carve the laws, as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. We can, we can read on Exodus 34, but here is at least a quick snapshot of God revealing his own character and proclaiming his own ways and his own works. So surely this is what was in David's mind, Exodus 34, where he quoted this very passage. As he moved on in Psalms 103, in verse 8, look at verse 8. David says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As he sings praises, as he reminds his soul to praise the Lord, he's not creating an image of God out of his own imagination. He's drawing out what God has presented and revealed about himself to praise him. And all that's happened in his world. It's worth thinking, how do we think about God and praise God and look at the world? Do we do it the way that is comfortable and convenient? We just follow our emotions to say, ah, God, you're like this, like that today. And God, this world looks messy and, well, when are you going to do it? Not That's, that's one way to do it, but David's way is to look back to what God has revealed about himself and what he has done 
And he used that lens to understand God, the unchanging God ahead and what he will do. And as the king of Israel, David, he attributes all his and Israel's benefits enjoyed by from God and for his people and for him that their sins are removed and they receive the love and compassion of the Holy God that he sings his praises. We are here not because we are good in Jerusalem. We are here because God has revealed all his benefits that we have come here. Now we may want to kind of pause and actually think and ask a little bit and say, Andrew, this is great. King David can sing all the praises. How about us? You know, between King David 1000 BC and us 2017-80, that's kind of a 3000 year stretch. Can we sing 103 or is just kind of one of those songs that is in a history book? Does this historical song apply to you and to me? Has God done the same for us? Has the same Lord of David offer us the same forgiveness, same healing redemption from the pits, crowning satisfaction, renewal? Well, the Bible does tell us that God has in fact, he's given us even more than what David has received. For us who are not sure, who are not yet a Christian or who are thinking, journey with me briskly through to the New Testament 1,000 years after David. For the rest of us who are sure, I invite you to still journey along with me so that you can call your own soul to sing praises to God as Jesus revealed himself to be same as the very Lord of Psalms 103. One who forgives, one who heals, one who redeems, one who crowns unworthy sinners with love, with compassion, one who renews broken spirits to youthfulness. So take a walk with me down the historical memory lane of New Testament and in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. I put a screen up there with 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 a bit of a comparison there, but let me journey this with us as you listen on. In Psalm 103, David sang this, the Lord forgives. When we come to New Testament, we see Jesus forgiving sinners separated from God himself. Mark 2 tells us, we are told, Jesus said to a paralyzed man in this big crowd to say, Son, your sins are forgiven. And from that moment, this man stood up. And he was in communion with God's people, knowing his sins are forgiven. David sang, the Lord is one who heals. We have Jesus who make a leper clean right in Mark chapter 1. And a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, uh, clean and healed at last. You know, a, a, a leper is a man who would never be able to enter the presence of God or the holy temple because leprosy can't be healed. A woman who's been bleeding for 12 years will not be in communion in, with God's people or into the holy place. She'll probably have forgotten when was the last time she was singing praises and laughing joyfully with a community of God's people. She was there sneaking behind Jesus' back, hoping, just hoping, that should be healed. And Jesus healed both of them. 
And in their healing, they are reconciled with God's people. And they can once more enter into God's holy temple. David sang, the Lord redeemed him from the pit. And what do we read about Jesus? Jesus redeems people's life from the pit. There's a man living among the grave in Gerasene who was possessed by legions and legions of, of demons. And Jesus restored him to health. If that is not sufficient, Jesus literally and physically goes through the pits of Lazarus. And he said to Lazarus, come out. This is what he says. After Lazarus been in, in the tomb for four days, Jesus said, as recorded in John 11.43, he says this, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Talk about redeeming from the pit. Well, David sang the Lord crowning undeserving sinner with love and compassion. And in Jesus' journey, he entered into the house of a despised sinner, a rich but very unhappy tax collector, Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, over a meal, just over a meal, this sinner was so overwhelmed by love and compassion that Zacchaeus, this tax collector, he declared in Luke, this thing, half my possession I'm giving to the poor, and those I've cheated, I'll give them four times back. So in that split second, this rich man bankrupts. How much is left for Lazarus after giving all of this? And repaying four times of all that he has taken. And Jesus said to Lazarus, ah, uh, to Zacchaeus, let me read to you. He said in Luke 19, 9 to 10. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This sinner who was despised even by the leaders of the Jews, Jesus says, and you are a son of Abraham, a saved man. As David recounts how the Lord renewed him with youth like eagle, we read the very last chapter of John. This is an account that is so crucial because just before Jesus' account ends, just before he was being crucified, the man who is meant to stand by his side, who says that I will die with you, Peter, Simon Peter, he denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus died. And even when Jesus rose from the dead, that heavy burden of having betrayed Jesus will be on the shoulders of Peter. But Jesus lifted up. The last chapter of John, Jesus came to Peter and says, Do you love me? And Jesus, at his third time, he broke down. Lord, you know, I know I've done, but you know that I love you. And Jesus says, Feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. You will be my witness. And he became the pillar amongst the apostles and of our Bible. Dear friends, David has reasoned to praise the Lord, but we have even more. In fact, the greatest 
of the benefits that God has given to us is not even when Jesus was alive. Because the greatest benefit that He has given to you and to me and offered to the world happens when Jesus dies on the cross willingly, when He redeems the lost sinner's doom in our pits. So dear friends, if David can call upon his soul to praise the Lord for what he had experienced while he was living in Jerusalem, we have more reason to call our own souls to praise God for what Christ have experienced on the cross, giving all repented sinners forgiveness, giving us healing for our souls, redeeming us from death, crowning us with love, compassion, and even be known as the Son of God, to be called God's children. And if that is not sufficient, that He has given us His own Holy Spirit to renew us and sustain us even if our physical body, our outward outmost being is decaying every day, our inward being is renewed more and more and more as we praise the Lord until the final day where we come forth to be like Christ where we enter into our eternal home. Dear friends, where do we derive the character and the works of God? We've asked that just now. Where do we derive it in our day-to-day lives that results in our praise or our praiselessness? Do we derive it from our own emotions or hearsay or philosophy or just the way the world works? Or do we know God based on His own revelation? of himself, the way that David has called upon his own soul to wake up. Because without turning to God's revealed word, our own world, this is what will happen, we will derive how God looks like. And in the end, God actually looks very much like us. I was reading and preparing for the systematic or doctrine series, and I read about this guy who says this, I can't remember his name, but he says this, I really like what Jesus says. A lot of things I agree with it. There are some things that I can't agree with him, and well, that's life. You know what is happening? He's saying, you know what? I like Jesus if he looks like me. Does God look like you? Or do we see the world and realize who God is? And we end up praising him. Because you wouldn't praise yourself very much if God looks like you. But you will praise God and I will praise God if we are like David who sees him and all the benefits that is given. However, there's more things that David wants to show us because he wants to show us that even as God offers all these benefits to the world, they are actually and ultimately received only by those who fear him. Come with me to verses 9 to 18 as we look just a bit deeper and greater into the benefits of those who have relationship with the Lord and we look at how this is given to those who fear Him. Now if you look on to verse 9 and 10, notice how David describes the interaction between sinful people of God and the Holy God Himself. Look at verse 9 and 10. He's saying, God, the Lord, He will not forever bring up our evil deeds, our thoughts, our desires. He will not forever be angry with us. He will not treat us as severely as we should. 
and pay back the wrongs we've done against him. Now that is a very daring statement for David to declare because in his recollection of Israel's unfaithfulness and their plenty and his own failures, he dared to speak of God's forgiveness and compassion and mercy and forgiveness of all his sins. And the reason, the reason why David dared to say this is because he had come to know the Lord and understood the character of the Lord personally. And this is the same for us. If you and I, we just kind of pause and think a bit long and hard about our own sin, our own self-centeredness, our own pride, our own greed, our own shame, our own hatred, our own lust, our own corruption, our own sloth, our guilt, of forgetting or turning away from God, our own desires that align more with the world than with God. If we do not have spiritual dementia, if we do not forget our sins, but we always have them before us, you know what you and I look like? We look like hunchback of Notre Dame. We'll not be able to look up and look out with joy. We'll be carrying a burden that is very much a part of us. So instead of facing the Lord's accurate accusation, the Lord's anger, the Lord's judgment, the Lord's repayment of, of our sins, David and all who comes to the Lord and all of us who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ can instead sing verse 11 and 12. Look at it with me as I, I won't sing it, but I'll read it to you, verse 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Indeed, imagine the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to be painfully and beautifully illustrating verse 11 and 12. If someone asks David, David, how high is the love of God? David would say, from heaven to earth. But to a Christian now, someone asks, can you describe how high is the love of God? Christians can say, look at the cross. Look at the thorns, crown of thorns on the head of Jesus as he looks up to heavens to ask for forgiveness, to bear our sin as his nail pierced feet points to earth to go into the pits that we should be going. That is the heights of God's love. If someone asks King David, how wide is God's love? He will say, from the east to the west. But as we come to Christians and say, how wide is God's love? And we say, look at the cross. As Jesus stretched his hand on that wooden plank from the east to the west, look to the furthest east of the universe, to the widest west of the universe. Can you find any creatures who will love you like the Creator did, who not only creates you, but dies? On your behalf. So what David has was the picture of heaven and earth and east and west. What we have is the historical evidence 
the historical reality of God's love and compassion for us in flesh on the cross. We see much more than David if only we will also pull out from God's word sing praises to him. David knew at the heart of him and the heart of the knowledge of God is forgiveness of sin and a relationship with God. And I hope we too realize that the heart of Bible's revealing of the knowledge of God is to offer us forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God. But friends, all these benefits are for those who fear Him and want a restored relationship with the Lord. The Lord's compassion and His forgiveness is sufficient for anyone and everyone in this world but it's only efficient, effective, or is given to those who fear Him and comes to Him. And so here is the crucial question of Psalms 103 for us. And it's worth for us to think really hard about this because our answer reflects whether we enjoy all the benefits of the Lord that our souls can sing like David. And the question is this, do you... And do I fear the Lord? Do you and I believe there's real consequence to sin? Do you and I recognize that we need to desperately cry out for mercy whenever we've fallen away, when we sin, when we want to be God? Do we realize the desperate need to come to God with nothing in our hands by pleading for Him. Dare we say to come to God's presence and say, God, I'm totally unworthy, but would you give me all that Jesus should get? Because He has gone to all that we should have. Unless we have a relationship with the Lord. But if we do, we can sing like what David does because there's so much ahead, not to mention there's so much that we already have received from the Lord. Three times, if you look at the passage, David tells us all of God's benefits, forgiveness, compassion, love are for those who fear Him. Look at 11. It says, Great is His love for those who fear Him. Verse 13, The Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Verse 11, The Lord's love is with those who fear Him. To those who fear Him, the Lord is like, verse 13, a father who has compassion on his children. To those who cry out to Him in desperation, He speaks with compassion, telling us, verse 14, He knows how we are formed. He remembers we are dust. Will we come to the Lord God with a right understanding of who He is? For if we do humbly come and reverently fear the Lord, acknowledging that we are not God, but He is, we do not take charge of our life, but He does. And we have no control of the future, but He knows. The Lord will turn to us and call us back as a father would to the worst child that's betrayed Him. He will apply His compassion is fully revealed on the cross 
of Jesus and all the benefits that are spoken here and even more are for you and for me and that we can praise the Lord. So indeed, friends, verse 15 and 16, the life of us mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The, blow, the wind blows over it. It's gone and its place remembers it no more. This is very much what our brother Andrew showed us in Psalms 90 last week. That we quickly pass away. That even our, if we have kids or we have um, generations of um, grandchildren or great-grandchildren, our great-grandchildren probably can't remember our lives or our names if, if we go forth before they arrive. Even the grass that glows and all the flowers that blooms, the soil that it lives and tramples on does not leave a mark. And so the same goes for us. The earth will not leave a mark when we die and goes in the soil. But that is not the case for those who fear the Lord. Because many of us, you know how you depend, you, you know when someone has a birthday, you message on, on the WhatsApp, happy birthday, who's your best friend? Facebook. You know, you kind of have Facebook, oh, the birthday comes out, you check, message. You know, I, I'm really bad at my Facebook, so you realize I always message something a bit later, if you can't remember. And if you ever check my Facebook, don't check it, but if ever, because I don't use it, that my birthday is not there, so I don't expect anyone to remember it Perhaps my parents or my wife. Because there's nothing going to flag out and say, this is my birthday. But not for those who fear the Lord. Because the Lord not only knows our birth date, He not only knows when is our death date, He's going to make the death date to become an anniversary. Because He will give those mere mortals eternal life. And that's where you look on to verse 17. Look at this. To mere mortals who will not leave a mark on the earth. Verse 17 says, But God, from everlasting to everlasting, His love is with those mortals who fear Him. How does that even work? How does an eternal love matches with a mortal? Except that a mortal remains forever. In fact, in some tangible ways, verse 17 tells us even the children will get to taste the Lord's love while living under the roof of those who fear God. Even though they too will need to come to fear the Lord themselves, but they will benefit from it. And now we come to the end of verse 18, where we need to kind of have a brief understanding or stop to understand what David is saying as I read verse 18 for us. His love is for those who fear Him, His righteousness with His children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. Now, we'll never be able to be a perfect law keeper and to be perfectly obedient. David knows that. That's why his psalm begins with, God has forgiven all my sins. But he doesn't end there. He ends up with, those who fear the Lord obeys Him and wants to obey Him. And the same is true for us, that we, like David, will not take or trample on the love of a father and take it for granted that it's always available there and so we just live the life we want. But that we want to please the Father who loves us so much, just as David has 
after saying all the benefits that he says, and those who fear the Lord, speaking about himself as well, wants to keep and obey. When they fail, they know what to do because the law tells them when they fail, they have a place to run to. They can bring sacrifice to the sanctuary, to the temple to ask for forgiveness. The law remembers his covenant. And for us, as we obey the law, the day will come or it may come when we fail and we sin. We come to the temple that God has provided for us, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, for forgiveness. And we come back to the Lord and ask that once again he will restore us Forgive us, renew us, and bring us back. Remind us of His love and compassion and bring us to renew in youthfulness within us until the day when Christ comes back and He turns our poor image now, our decaying bodies, or maybe soil, to be of the heavenly bodies that He has for those who fear Him. And so this is where we come to the last part that David has just one more thing to say about God. And then he will evoke the praise of the world. Look at verse 19. After saying all this, King David acknowledges that the greatest and the true king is not himself. Rather, it's the Lord himself. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And so this truth demands that all were under the kingship of the Lord to praise him. And so now from self-exaltation to praise the Lord, he looks to every creature under God's rule, the Lord's rule. And he says from verse 20 on, which we'll look at at the end of this part, Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You, his servants who, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. You know what David is doing? He's not saying angels and uh, the mighty ones, the heavenly hosts, they haven't been praising the Lord. So he's kind of like, guys, let's praise the Lord. They have been praising the Lord before David was born. But David, what he's doing is, after he has talked about all the benefits of the Lord, he's saying, praise the Lord with me for what the Lord has done. And perhaps, in saying he has prophesied even further, there's one more thing that the angels and the heavenly hosts have not been able to praise the Lord until Christ comes. When God will give sinful mortals be his own children. The mortals like us who have bore his image but have turned away from him receive all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And that is one thing the angels have not been able to praise until Jesus has done it. And from then on, the angels, the heavenly hosts, in fact, all creation of Genesis 1, they will praise the Lord for His amazing love and compassion. And that's where David ends off once again to say, Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Shall we now pray and praise our Lord for all that He has done for you and for me?
Let's pray. We praise you, O God, O Lord. Help us not to forget all your benefits. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving all our sins because of Jesus and restore our relationships, even healings at many times in our lives when we feel so broken that you restore us, redeeming us from the pits we would never have come out from. Thank you that when we come out from the pits, we see not your wrath, but your love, your compassion, and the ring to signify that we are your children, as the father did to the prodigal son. Oh, the wrath we deserve, you did not lay on us. You laid on Christ Jesus, and then you shower us with love and compassion. Father, you are indeed the one who satisfies us with good things as we count the many things you have blessed us with. Help us that we may praise you with renewed spirit. Help us to remember, take away the spiritual forgetfulness that we have, that we may praise you, O Lord, and bless your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.